What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 122 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders, find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, I hope you and your family are coming off a great Thanksgiving weekend. I was talking with my mother-in-law on Thanksgiving Day as we were driving over to my house, and we were both talking about how much we love Thanksgiving, I think it might be my favorite holiday. Christmas, the, what Christmas and Easter represent, I love. What Thanksgiving is, I love as well. Because Thanksgiving is just a time to pause, to see, and to say thank you. You know, I think our lives move at such a warp speed as leaders sometimes that we don't stop and we don't pause and we don't look back to see God's faithfulness and all he's done for us. I know at our services last weekend at North Star, Larry Gray is one of our hosts. He used a quote he had heard growing up, and a pastor had said, if God never did one more thing for you, he's already done too much. And you know, that's true. We have so much to be thankful for. One of the things I have to be thankful for is you. You tune in. You listen, I get random emails, random tweets, uh, conversations with different people that say, oh, I listen every week, and it means the world. I know that may get old to you, but never gets old to me because this is something I truly enjoy, and I'm glad you get something out of it. Thanks also to you that leave ratings and reviews. It goes so far in getting others connected to the spiritual journey that might they might be on in leadership. And it means the world that you do. Chad Porter uh, from Alabama said this in his last review. Great podcast. I always listen. I always enjoy listening to these conversations. Mike has a great way of asking questions that I say to myself. Wow, great question. It's a very natural conversation, and he has a great ability to go deeper than surface level. Thank you so much, Chad, and it means the world that even from Alabama, you take some time to tune in. Well, I know every time we release an episode, sometimes you go, oh, I know that person. And other times you go, man, I didn't know them. And I certainly didn't know this about them. Today, I'm going to get to introduce you to somebody you probably do not know. His name is Brian Coley. Brian is a writer. He's a film director. Uh, incredible creativity. But a few years ago, he established real experiences, R-E-E-L experiences here in Atlanta, Georgia. And Brian brings that creativity and imagination of his uh, background and began a story helping people learn leadership through movies and experiences. Unbelievable. 
unbelievable. We brought Brian in this past year and worked with our team at North Star, and we had so much fun. I know Brian works with some of the greatest organizations here in Atlanta, both on site and also through Zoom. Um, and he'll go to businesses and do it there as well. It is so good. I know Brian says that Real Studios is a place where people can have an experiential way of finding their story while having that story be seen by the people whom would they work, live, and play. It is phenomenal. We're going to have a link to Brian's stuff in our show notes, but you're going to love his background. You're going to love his passion for the Lord and for leadership, and this is going to be a fun one. So I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in to my time with Brian Coley. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you, buddy. Hey, you know, it's an honor to be here for sure. You know, I've enjoyed getting to know you and enjoy this concept that you have in this podcast. I think it's so thrilling that you're trying to reach leaders and really inspire them to use their faith uh, out there in the workplace, you know, so I'm excited to talk to you today too. You know, I know you from getting to connect with you just, just recently hearing what your company's doing, but take me back a little bit. Take me back to Brian Growing up, I know you have a little love Brian. For, how far you want to go? Little listen, baby, baby take Brian. me, take me back, take me back to little Brian. The 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 love you have of film, the love you have of theater, the love of you have of all these things. Was that something that was in you even early on in your life? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I grew up uh, in a little town called Pascagoula, Mississippi, and uh, one of my defining moments that I remember was. Um, my sister had decided she wanted to be in a talent contest in Biloxi and we were going to go drive all the way to Biloxi and, uh, put her in the talent show. And I had just started learning guitar also, you know, and so I would decided I was going to tag along. And so I tagged along to this little, uh, talent show. It was like America's America's got Biloxi's got talent. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, so we were there and my dad was so supportive of our talents. You know, he was always trying to get us into, uh, you know, when he saw that we could sing, he was immediately like, let's, let's put a guitar. And of course it was the seventies. And so like there was Donnie and Marie and, you know, yep. all these kind of television shows that were variety shows of people singing. So basically the story goes that uh, my sister goes to enter the contest and I say, well, why can't I enter, you know? And so my dad enters me. Um, I get up on stage and it's one of those shows where just like America's Got Talent, where the, the little kid can win too, you know? Yep. And I think I came in second place, you know, and I, all I knew was two chords and it was, uh, they'll know we are Christians by our love. If you remember that old evil <laughs> goodie. Um, and so, yeah. And so at that moment, uh, this was one of those, this, I call this when Elvis crossed my path. And that is that Elvis's manager happened to be a judge uh, you know, like supposedly, I, you know, this may be just Coley lore, but, uh, supposedly Elvis's manager was one of the judge and he pulled my dad aside and said, you know, make sure you, uh, you know, you get that little boy, uh, elevate his, uh, voice, you know, like really, uh, be able to, uh, just pour your investment in this, in this boy's voice. And, you know, looking back at that, I think that was really 
kind of has defined my life. Mm. Like I have in a sin way, I have always, you know, like in a flesh way, I think I, I want to have a voice. I want to have a platform. I want people to hear me, but then in a, you know, a spirit way, I think my dad really at that point, he went out to radio shack and bought a microphone and bought an amplifier. And, you know, if you think about that from a father standpoint, he was trying to amplify my voice, you know? And so, uh, singing at an early age and then moved into theater, uh, doing theater. And then we moved here to Atlanta and I got into theater here and just doing performing arts pretty much my whole career. And then when it came to college, my dad was like, why don't you be a lawyer and use those acting skills or whatever? And I was like, no, <laughs> like you've spent all this investment in me. And so I ended up doing film at uh, NYU film school, um, and, uh, went to New York and that was a culture shock. And I was going to say coming from Pascagoula, Mississippi to <laughs> NYU. What was that like? What right. was that experience you know, like? It was New York in the eighties too. Oh uh, and uh, it was pre Giuliani when he kind of cleaned up New York. So I got mugged twice, you know, while I was there and all this kind of stuff. So it was crazy, but it was wonderful. And mm -hmm. uh, NYU film school was, you know, just a really incredible experience. Uh, so I came back, I got immediately hired at Turner Broadcasting, uh, worked for there for about 12 years um, all through my twenties. And, and then, you know, you have that moment right at your thirties where you're like, uh, I think I had my uh, halftime, what they call that halftime early. Um, in which I was just, I was just, you know, like going crazy because I wanted to change the world, you know, and, uh, the corporate job was great. Turner was great, but it was turning in, you know, like I think Time Warner had kind of taken over and sort of the entrepreneurial kind of aspect of things was a little bit, you know, uh, you know, it was becoming a big corporation, um, not to bad mouth Turner. I love Turner. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at that time also, I was um, going to First Baptist Atlanta that became First Baptist North and uh, a little guy named Andy Stanley got up in. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Right. He got up in the pulpit and started preaching. And I just thought, wow, I could take anybody off the street and just go, doesn't this make sense? Like, isn't this yep. the gospel? Doesn't this gospel make sense? And so the truth and the hope of the gospel was so like present. Um, and I was like, why can't we do that with our art? Like, why mm. can't we, why can't we do that with film and theater? And so a friend of mine uh, asked me that horrible question, which is if you have, if you won the lottery, like, uh, what would you do? And I said, well, I'd start my own theater company. And he was, and then he asked the follow-up, well, why aren't you doing it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, long story short, I've already kind of got you a long story, but long story short, I quit my cushy job with benefits and uh, great salary and started a nonprofit theater company, which tells you how wonderful my <laughs> wife is. <laughs> um, so that uh, began sort of this journey of trying to integrate my faith with art. And I was real passionate of how can we do it? That's not apocalyptic tales and preachy melodramas and Bible robe movies and, um, you know, movies with dogs, you know, like no. that's the, that's my faith. I'm sorry. You know, like that truth and hope that I was speaking of that Andy kind of made so relevant. I was like, how can I do that with my art? And so we started as a writer's group that became the theater company that became, um, you know, a resident theater company in the 14th street playhouse. And, and then we realized that scripts were really the premium that we couldn't find enough scripts that had a Christian worldview. So we started to develop writers. Um, and then we started, we moved over to film, started developing screenwriters 
and helping them just integrate their faith with their their storytelling. And uh, and then I you know I'll stop there because I feel like I've been talking yeah. way too long. But no, that that's so good though because you know we use a phrase all the time at North Star, and the phrase is God never wastes our time and mm. He never wastes our experiences. You know, even the the time you grew up in Mississippi plays into who you are today. Mm. How did that faith journey take root to get you where you are today? How did that faith journey take root for you? Yeah, um, I you know I I think I've always you know, I'm sort of that that guy who grew up in the church, you know, early age kind of thing. I walked down the aisle of First Baptist Pascagoula, Mississippi, uh, you know, as a little as a little as a 13 year old. I, I, I actually was a holdout. You know, all the kids were in Sunday school had already accepted Jesus. And I was like, <laughs> I'm taking this seriously, guys, you know. And so um, so anyway, uh, that was kind of the classic Baptist you know, walk the aisle kind of thing, but it was very real. Um, and then, you know, my faith journey really has always, I mean, Jesus has always been front and center for me. I've always been trying to follow him. And I think I've always been a person who is not afraid of risk. I'm not afraid to kind of, you know, jump out of the boat like Peter and just, you know, even if I'm going to, you know, drown, it, I feel like I, I jump out of the boat a lot in my career as I look back. And so it's kind of, it's when you say take root, I feel like it's always kind of been a journey mm -hmm. of following and, and listening and sort of just going, okay, God, you want me to do this? You want me to really quit Turner broadcasting and, and really, you know, start a theater company. Okay. I'll do that. You know, and it's sort of been that, um, you know, journey of more faith. I, my movie character is George Bailey, right? And George that. is always, you know, that faithful and loyal to his father's business, which is, you know, the, the building and loan. And I feel like that's one of my biggest strengths, I would say, is that sort of faithfulness and loyalty to go, uh, you know, whatever you say, God, I'll, I'll stay in Bedford Falls if you need me to. If it's your business, I need to be about, you know, so... That is so. When you were early on in this, did you ever dream that those two worlds of your faith and the, your love of the arts and movies would combine into what you're doing today, or did you see those as I'm going to be a person of faith in that industry? How did how did how does that feel looking back in the rearview mirror now and seeing how those two lanes have merged? Yeah, that is a great question. I can definitely say that I would could never imagine what I'm doing now is what I'd be doing. And, and, and it's kind of come full circle, you know, I think because um, whenever we started, I've always positioned whatever I've done out into the marketplace. I've never been like, let me go into the church. So even when we started yeah. that theater company, we had to make that decision of whether we we're going to do, you know, theater in the church or whether we were going to do it in, in the marketplace. And so, it was always a decision. I think my life has kind of been a decision of how do I bring my faith to the marketplace? Um, and so even now with what we're doing with real experiences, which is a little further in the story um, of how that happened, but um, we're in the middle of working with Mercedes Benz and Home Depot and, you know, Coca-Cola and uh, all the big brands here in Atlanta, Chick-fil-A. And, and I just feel like I'm doing what I set out to do with the theater company, I, I'm like always trying to take my faith into the marketplace and figure out a way in which I can blend the two. And even with my art, you know, like my goal was to say, how can we, how can I take art and how can I take my faith and how can I blend those together in a way that nobody's ever seen before? And I think if I look back in my career, that has been my 
my goal in my career is to say these two things are not separate. Like they're, mm. they're not pulled apart. Like you said, they're not two lanes. They, I've always viewed them as how can I innovate to bring those two things together? Because I think that's, I think that's what we're supposed to do. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. I would yeah. absolutely agree. And so as you think about this now, Brian, what, what purpose do you think you being a person of faith and you being somebody who says, you know, I, I am good at what I do, but I, I also serve a bigger purpose. What does that do for you that you think may separate and help you in in making when we're going to get into real experiences here in a second, whether it was art within or we'll get mm-hmm. into your movie a little bit. What is it about having that faith in your corner and in your heart that you say, man, helps me live for something bigger? What would you say? You know, I don't know. It's just in my DNA to be like this. But but if you, if I was trying to speak to a person who was who was challenged in bringing these two things together, um, I would just say that that's that's where uh, creativity and innovation and, and all that kind of stuff can come into. Like, uh, I don't. That's not really the way I want to say it. I guess the way I want to say it is that I feel like you know, it's such a joy. Mm the the reward of seeing how the Holy Spirit and how Jesus can show up in those places and surprise you in ways that you did not anticipate. Like that's what I live for now. Mm-hmm. The reason, you know, maybe I started it from a place of how can we do these two things and bring them together? But now I live for the chance to see how Jesus can show up in a way that surprises me even in how they merge together, if that makes sense. And it's almost like a little drug where I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, we're sitting here doing an event for Coca-Cola and all of a sudden Jesus is showing up (laughs) because I'm kind of inviting him into the space, even if the Coca-Cola people don't know I'm inviting him in in the space, you know? And so that's kind of what I love to see is to see that transcendence is what I call it, of just like God being transcendent. And, and I, I, I kind of, I just don't have binary thinking anymore. Like to me, God, I see uh, not in a pantheistic way, but I just see God in so much, Mm. you know, I see him. If you can see God in dumb and dumber, and if you can see God (laughs) in anchorman, if you can see God show up and he literally shows up in a powerful way in these movies that you would go, how in the world did that just happen? Then you start believing that God can pretty much show up in ways that we never anticipated. And so I think that openness, like if I'm talking to a person who's like, ah, I'm working this corporate job, I'm in a cubicle and all this kind of stuff. And I, you're an artist and you're doing this, you know, kind of in an artistic way, I would just challenge you to kind of invite God into, he's already there, but invite him into that space and see how he can surprise you by your openness to allow him to come into that space. You know, that's a great, that's a great answer. And I, and I think when people are able to do that, no matter what field they're in, I think Mm -hmm. it is a game changer. So I, you know, I think people could hear the story and go, man, Brian meets Christ at an early age he knows what he wants to do, and now he's living this great life, his own company, doing his own thing. I guess everything's just been easy. I guess everything <laughs> is just has just fallen into place because when God's in it, you do it for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Have you mm-hmm. reached some points, Brian, where you had the white mm-hmm. towel in your back pocket going, okay, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. Have you walked through some of those experiences? <laughs> 
uh, today, yesterday, <laughs> the day before yesterday. I like, love it. You know, uh, I mean, I'm going to be really honest with you, Mike, like pandemic, we're in that right now. Right. Uh, my business is, we've been innovating it, going virtual and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, quite honestly for the last, out of the last, tw uh, 12 months, I have not been able to pay myself seven of those months. Wow. So that's the reality of if you're here in dreamland here, you're yeah. in Walt Disney, you know, and it, actually, if you watch, if you even listen to Walt Disney's story, he was constantly in debt. He was constantly yeah. like, you know, we have this image of these people who did great things. But if you watch like Walt Disney's story, you'll hear, oh, wow, he was just getting ready to go out of business before Disneyland and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so no, my, and if you talk to my wife, she will give you all the details <laughs> of how this has been like one jump into something else, you know? Um, and, and the bad side of the fact that I am not afraid to follow Jesus in, you know, out of the boat is the fact that, you know, um, you do drown a lot That's or right. you do, uh, right. you know, like fail. And so I made a movie, uh, you know, that was this massive project that took up all of my forties, the, you know, my years in my forties, and it, hardly anybody has ever seen it, you know, and investors didn't make their money back for sure, you know, and it was a lot of years of my life making a movie and preparing for it, raising money, editing, like pouring blood, you know, sweat, tears. I went on the road to promote it. And then what God, like nobody's like, I thought this project was like, had your blessing on it and all this mm -hmm. stuff. And then nobody hardly sees it, you know, and it kind of dies. And then what am I supposed to do with it? You know, like, it's not been anything. Uh, but you know, challenges like that, where you're sitting there going, gosh, millions of dollars, you know, or not millions of dollars, but it was about a couple million dollars in which I'm like, Oh, gosh, what was that Lord? You know, like, how, how am I even supposed to steward this moving forward? And what do I do with a failure like that, that feels like a failure to me um, in a huge way, you know, so it has not been, you know, oh, I'm living the dream. You know, yeah. I am living the dream from a, a standpoint of what I want to do with my life and the the way I feel like God's calling on my life. And going back to that person asking me, what would you do if you won the lottery? I'm constantly going, I'm winning the lottery now, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> it has not been, you know, like, oh, all success. In fact, I would say it's been mostly how do we keep this thing going, you know, yeah. uh, kind of concepts, you know? So. Well, I don't know who the leadership person was that said life is a continual journey of failing forward. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're constantly failing ahead. What kept right. you going? What kept you from going? All right. I'm, I must have eaten bad pizza. I thought that God wanted me to do this and it mm. didn't turn out like I wanted, but I'm going to stick in there. I'm going to hang in there. What kept you going? I think God always was grace, gave me grace enough that if even when the movie um, failed, uh, and I, I shouldn't call it a failure because it was so beautiful as far as the the things that came out of it, you know, um, but uh, from a commercial standpoint, it was a failure. Right. Um, coming out of that, you know, was how what birthed real, which is what I'm doing right now, you know, so uh, looking back at it, I go, well, real would have never been birthed if it wasn't for this failure of this film. So, you know, in retrospect, you can see that in the middle of it, I do think that it is that sense of God always is nice, beautiful enough and, and grace filled enough to give us something that 
allows us to feel like he's still moving in our lives and he's still taking us out of something, you know, and still uh, giving us a future. Um, and, and so, like I said, I think my life has been about just follow me kind of concept mm-hmm. of Jesus. And so even when I hit those places where I'm like, okay, God, what was that about? Like, what am I, you know, like, where do I go from here? I always think God's faithful enough in that moment to say, here's how you follow me. Mm. Like, and here's where you go next, you know? And, and so then I just start following the, the breadcrumbs and, and there's a lot of second guessing in my head, you know, looking back at my career going, what if I had just stayed with that theater company and not moved into film? Or what if I'd, you know, just stayed with making movies and not do what I'm doing now, you know? Mm. And, and, and so there's some second guessing with that, but I, I can honestly look back and say, I know that God said, do this mm-hmm. is follow me, you know, like follow these breadcrumbs. Yep. And um, so that daily bread thing of just really just following Jesus has been, been how I've been able to survive some of these, you know, ups and downs. What, what are some of the disciplines you put in place, mm. Brian, as a follower and as a, as a, a Christ, a Christ follower and a business owner and a leader who's super busy. And, and we were, as we went on today, y'all have got a huge project coming up next week. What are, what are some of the, for, for listeners out there that are, they're right where you are and they're going, man, I want to Brian's faith, maybe a little further along than my faith. I want to be able to do that. What are some of the disciplines you've put in? So, you know, what the breadcrumbs of the Lord are. So, you know, what those next steps are, what would you say? Gosh, and this has only happened in the last three years, I would say. Um, and it's just been absolutely transformative. I mean, it's transformed my entire life. And that is um, the discipline I put in is there is a park and I'm an outdoors person. So I need to see God in the trees and, and stuff like that. There's a park near my house, uh, Soap Creek, and literally it's where I go to meet God. And I literally walk and talk with God. And this is going to sound crazy. And so this is the point in which everybody kind of turns me off and go, this guy's really crazy. But um, I just started allowing myself to be open that God could speak back to me through my voice. <laughs> it sounds like schizophrenia. But basically, <laughs> when, I, when I'm out there in walking and talking with God, I've allowed myself to believe that the Holy Spirit could speak in a way back to me, you know, not just that still small voice kind of concept, but I allow that still small voice to actually be vocal. Mm. And so it sounds crazy. But I walk and talk with God and that discipline. Uh, and, you know, I, I know there's all kind. and I even doubted at the very beginning where it was like, okay, this is just me talking to myself kind of concept, you know, but there was things that God was saying to me that literally I could not make up, you know, and then it would just play out in my life so richly where I was like, oh my gosh, God, thank you for showing me that. And so literally that concept of walking with God and making it a very literal thing for me and talking with God and making that a very literal thing for me um, has been like the biggest transformation mm-hmm. in my life in the last three years. And, and it, I, I look at it like I'm a big Disney fan. So I love going to Disney world because I feel like Disney world is like my place to go to heaven on earth, you know? Um, and there's so much spiritual stuff I see there, but God really started to show me that, um, you know, even though it's a magic kingdom, and I'm going to this magic kingdom. And that's what I loved about it. Just that concept of I'm getting on a boat to go to the magic kingdom, you know, when I'm there. Um, and uh, God was really showing me like, you can go to Soap Creek, uh, this park, and this can be your magic kingdom because mm-hmm. guess what? 
it's really about the king in the kingdom. It's not really right. about the magic kingdom, even though I love the Good. outdoors and that's kind of my magic kingdom. And so I started just framing it in that way. So now I just die to go to like right now, if you could tell me you can go over to Soap Creek right now and, and walk and talk with God, I'd be like, that's going to the magic kingdom. Um, So it's been that way for me. And I kind of thirst for it and love it now. And I don't, I just have thrown the kind of crazy thoughts of what do people think about me, you know, as far as what I do with this time and just go and just accept that God will meet me there. And, um, and I've learned even within that, that, you know, like, there's just moments where, you know, he just wants to walk with me and that's, that's it. Good. And he just like shuts me up and says, stop talking. Just like, let's just walk or let's create together. Like, don't feel guilty that we're creating together. Uh, you know, like, even though you're thinking you're, you know, doing business, like we're creating together, like we should be creating together. Right. Um, and, and even times in which I've realized that I go out there and treat him like a Coke machine where I'm like trying to dispense insight, you know, and God stopped me and said, try stop treating me like a Coke machine, you know, yep. like I'm not here just for your, your, to get something out of me, you know? And so this has been beautiful times of walking with Jesus and walking with the father out there. So. I love that. And, and, you know, here's the thing. I think we all have very unique personalities and I mm-hmm. think God speaks to us all in unique ways. That's right. And I think they're the common pieces of his word and other believers, but the Holy spirit resides within us. And so God's going to, God's going to speak through that time. <clears throat> and I love, and, and that really plays into what you do now, because I think even just what I learned and what I've read on you guys, cause I haven't been through the experience yet. I can't wait till we do with what you're doing with real experiences and you work with couples, you work with teams, you work with people and you create breakthrough moments Mm -hmm. for them in their personal lives and in their corporate lives. Give everybody a little overview about what you guys do at real experiences and how you have watched breakthroughs happen in people's lives and in teams lives. Oh, it's been absolutely rewarding. So, um, you know, to pick up my story from the, uh, you know, the working with screenwriters, we were trying to develop methods that would allow them to write a screenplay, uh, Christians, that is, uh, to write a screenplay that was very authentic. Because when you watch, quote, Christian stuff, usually it's the story is the problem, like it's not very authentic. And so we were like, how do we get to this authentic thing? So we started asking uh, writers what moved them. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that quickly became their favorite movies. So we started mining their favorite movies as a means of brainstorming and finding out, you know, what was the script that only they could write. Fast forward, uh, this is that point where I'm making the movie and um, where I'm in an edit suite, and kind of looking at a computer every single day. And I'm like, man, what if I took those methods we were using with writers and used them on normal people? So I started it started as a small group at my church and it blew up. People were literally changing their lives based on the insights that we were finding in their favorite movies. And so we just started, uh, you know, trying different, you know, what I call lenses today, which is like, well, let's look at this through the lens of character or through the lens of conflict or through the lens, you know, all these story lenses. And then uh, I was like, well, let's look at this through the lens of love and let's do couples and see how, you know, the clips that they bring as far as in their top 10 movies of love, like, what does that say? And then we found God was in that, like, we started going, oh my gosh, the person, this is like their film love language. And the person who's giving love is God in this to them, you know? And so we started seeing God show up that way, but more than anything, we just saw God just in a transcendent way, people would bring their movies 
and just all these light up things that were very personal and very transcendent. It was like God was speaking specifically to these people through these movies. And so I started seeing that now I believe it wholeheartedly because I've seen it over the last seven years where when you give me your movies, uh, there's a little map in there, a little treasure map that God's placed in there. And all we do is help you read that map. But ultimately it is very personal and God wants to speak your story into what moves you. And it makes sense from a standpoint of even a psychological perspective that if something moves you, whether it's to anger or tears or laughter, there has to be something very connected to your heart in that. And so we've been just basically stewards of people's hearts when they give us their movies. We create these experiences, whether they're you know, we've kind of done couples, we've done veterans coming back from war, we've done families, we've done father-son, we've done men's retreats and women's retreats, um, but where we live now is mainly in the corporate space, and that's why I was saying I've kind of come full circle from that theater company, because we were out in the world with the theater company, and then now we're kind of out in the world with the corporate uh, uh, version of what we're doing. And so we bring teams in, uh, we have all the teams submit their favorite movies, all the participants submit their favorite movies, each individually. So we don't use movies as like, hey, we're going to do a thing on innovation. Here's Apollo 13. Yep. And let me show you Apollo 13 and tell you what I think innovation is. Instead, what we do is we have people, each person bring their top 10 movies in and say, you know, what's innovation in your top 10 movies. And so it's a very bottom up perspective. And we do that with uh, teams, whether it's around support, how they can support each other. We do it around um, uh, emotional intelligence right now, uh, just self-awareness. We're doing uh, actually the most rewarding piece of content that we just rolled out is how to have a conversation about race. Mm -hmm. And we're using movies like people's movies to really express their heart around especially people of color to allow them to express their heart in a way that takes the emotional baggage off of them of having to share their story one more time or having to educate they can just like show you a clip and show you something out of their movies that shows you their heart and speaks into the conversation in a, a strong way so we're doing kind of the d e and i uh, uh content we do uh right now we have an emotional intelligence series but ultimately the thing that I think people come to us now for is that team development, you know, not team building, but sort of that team development of how do I get my team? That's a new team. Um, even if it's a sports team, how do I get them to know each other well enough to then start working together? Right. Yep. And so we accelerate that time of knowing each other because we can go deep really, really fast with people and people can be as vulnerable as they want, but they're doing it with their movies. So the mm -hmm. movies kind of provide that buffer. And so we've, we have a, uh, there was a gal at Chick-fil-A who said that we took what would have taken six months of how to onboard one of her people, uh, that it took two hours and we were able to kind of get them assimilated into the team and get them working. So it's just the power of movies, but, um, but the reason I'm doing it is because every single day I get to see God and the Holy Spirit, like knock somebody over the head mm. <laughs> with, uh, you know, with all of a sudden showing up in Anchorman, you know, and going, hey, this is a deep truth for you. And it happens to come from Anchorman. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the fact that that just happened has yeah. to point to there is a God, you know? So. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so when, when somebody tells you their favorite movie, so somebody yeah. comes in and, and let's say it's a new team and they've assembled a new team at their company and they're onboarding somebody and somebody shares their favorite movie. Yeah. What does a movie typically tell you? about a person and the movie they would choose. Because I even heard you say in another interview, I was listening to you, you said two people could choose the same movie, but they're choosing that movie for very different reasons. That's correct. Uh, That's exactly you know, right. So what does a movie tell you about somebody? Because we, we use a little phrase from a good buddy of mine, I can't hate somebody if I know their story. Oh, so how does, a, that. how does a movie help me uh. know somebody's story? I need to write that down before we go any further. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, so what we do is, uh, first of all, we never ask for people's favorite movie. Like that that doesn't really do anything for us. What we do is we ask for the top 10 because it gives us a palette to yeah. work with. Good. And so, for instance, what we do then is to try to build their story by looking into those movies. So let's say that I was to ask you, Mike, I was to let you look at your top 10 movies and say, Tell me the character that you like the most or that you resonate with the most. And then we'll ask, we'll watch a trailer or we'll watch a clip of that character. And then we'll dive a little bit deeper into questions and say, well, tell me what, you know, what you think is heroic about this character mm. and what their superpower is, you know, like not literal superpower, but what's, which one of these heroic traits is kind of their strongest. And, you know, and then we can go even deeper into what's their tragic flaws or what, what do they grow into as far as the character over the course of that uh, movie. Um, so just from a character lens, not any other lenses, we got several other lenses, you know, around desire, or around conflict or around, you know, change. Um, and we can build, start building that person's story based on their top 10 movies as that palette to work with. Um, so then what happens in our, uh, you know, inevitably is you're just talking about whatever choice. So let's say, Mike, you pick Forrest Gump and you're talking about Forrest Gump and you're just, you know, telling me, all, answering all these questions about how Forrest is so, you know, he so, you know, pursues Jenny in such a huge way that he's all about kind of giving grace to people and really, you know, pursuing people and, and then you give me some other traits of Forrest Gump, you know, of how he he will not let people, you know, on the battlefield be left behind. And and so then all of a sudden, at some point, we read back everything that you said about Forrest. And I just go, I just change the pronouns and I have mm, you say, mm. I, you know, run out of people, run after people on the battleground and I don't leave them wow. behind. And I, you know, am a person who pursues people out of grace and just will not, you know, let go. And, and then suddenly when people look at that and see that that's them, that's that moment, you know, where it's that? like, that's that transcendent God moment where they go, oh my gosh. And then the reason we don't do a favorite movie is because then I go, now look at the rest of your top 10 movies and tell me how many characters in your top 10 movies are like Forrest Gump in the same traits. And when they look across that palette and they see, oh, well, that's true of this character, and that's true of this character. Oh my gosh, this is all over my top 10. Then they start to see that God is actually speaking to them and saying, this is you. This is you as a character. This is your story. And so we do that with different lenses. Um, and what happens in that process is it's not really just about finding your story, but whenever you're able to share that with your team, you feel, and then somebody says, oh my gosh, you are totally Forrest Gump. Like, yep. I see you totally like that. Let me give you an example. And they give an example. 
that's the moment that I live for because that's the moment where a human being feels seen Mm. And they feel like other people see them and then they live into that truth much more. And what's happening in that moment from a spiritual perspective is it's really God seeing them through that person, you know? And so that's where I come back to what you asked earlier about, you know, how is this intersecting faith and my business, you know, for the person who's Coca-Cola, they're not sitting there going, you know, here's God in the room and here's God doing all this. And maybe they don't even, you know, maybe they don't even think it's, that's surprising or something like that. But I know that God's in that room, like lighten up things in their hearts, you know, and lighten up things where they feel seen uh, by another person, you know, and, and the hope is that, you know, they can start to see that as a very transcendent moment that, you know, maybe God is in charge of the story of their lives, you know, so. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. So if a company's listening, a a leader's listening, they say, man, I want to know more. I would love to do this. What's the best way for them? And we'll have all this information, of course, in our show notes, but what's the best way for them to get in touch and learn more about what you're doing at real? Yeah, really easy. Uh, You know, if they want to check out the website, it's realexperiences.com and it's R E E L experiences.com. And then uh, I would say the best thing to do is just email us. And while it doesn't seem, while it seems like a generic email, which is real R E E L real info at real experiences.com. That'll come to, to, you know, our engagement manager immediately. And, and we can, you know, book some time to find out what your needs are. A lot of the things that we do is very custom based on the size of the group, based on how much time they need. Um, Like you were mentioning earlier, we're doing a week long uh, event for uh, a big corporation here in Atlanta next week. So we've done huge events as well as, you know, just like uh, three hour sessions, you know, um, virtually, you know, so, so there's all kinds of ways we can customize our content to meet the team that you need. And, 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 I, even and I love, I love the, the virtual part because so many of our listeners are in other parts of the country. So this isn't something that you just have to come to. You got to get in a bus, drive to Atlanta. This is something that you can create even online right now. Correct. That is exactly right. And yeah, we positioned ourselves. Thank you COVID because right. uh, we went into innovation mode and, um, and now we are, are free to do this for anybody anywhere. In fact, we had two ladies from Kenya do it uh, uh, just about a month ago. And I was wow. like, yes, we're international now from Kenya, you know? So that was really cool. What's the max size of a group. If they do a virtual engagement, what's the max size you could have? Yeah. So, um, you know, we're doing a virtual experience for like 300 people next week, but really I would say the key kind of like transfer the transformative kind of experiences are sweet spot is around nine or 10 people, you know, like really that kind of, uh, you know, smaller team, smaller leadership team, that kind of thing where we can kind of really do a deeper dive. We have more time, we have more, you know, there's a lot more sharing that goes on that. So people can feel seen. So I would recommend, you know, smaller teams from like six people to 15 people being the sweet spot of what we do. Perfect. You know, there, there's a verse in the new Testament, Brian, and it said that David served his purpose in his generation. And then he fell asleep. He was done. What do you think was the purpose? God put all this, this, uh, passion in you to do what you're doing now. What do you think was the purpose God created Brian Coley for? I think it was to give people a sense that God is much bigger than they expected him to be. Um, when I look back at my whole career from the movie I created to the 
theater company I created. It was all that concept I said of trying to bring faith and then going back to the Biloxi thing of my dad giving me the microphone. I just really feel like, you know, God's kind of given me that sense of how to use these performing arts, how to use my voice, how to use not literal voice, but how to use my artistic voice in a way that blends it together so they're not separate. But ultimately, the purpose of that and the purpose of my life has been to make him bigger for people, you know, to make him show up in places that surprise people that he could be there so that he's more accessible for them uh, to to reach him, you know, um, because like I said, if somebody sees that God can show up in Dumb and Dumber, then then they might be more attracted to go a little bit further and try to follow him a little bit further, you know, uh, versus the traditional ways in which we think of where God shows up. You know, when I got off that call that day with Brian, all I could think was everybody thinks leadership is a cookie cutter model, and it isn't. It's using the gifts, using the experiences, using the joys that you find in life and using those to lead. You know, Brian, when he stood up in front of our team at North Star, we've sat through lots of leadership lessons, watched lots of leadership speeches. It was totally different, but we loved it. And everybody loves movies. And we have a bunch of movie buffs on our staff. Everybody loves movies. And it was so fun laughing and learning with our team at North Star. Brian is a unique leader who is making a mark because he's leading in the space and place that God's put him to make other people better. Thank you, Brian Coley, for sharing your story with us because we are all better for it. Well, our next episode, we're going to continue in that vein of learning from great leaders. We're going to sit down with Daniel Harkavay. You may not know Daniel, but I will tell you this. Daniel is a coach to some of the greatest leaders in America. And his job isn't being known. His job is making those that are known live and love and lead at their best. And Daniel was amazing. And we had so much fun together. I cannot wait to introduce you to Daniel Harkavay. It is, um, it's one of my all-time favorite interviews I've ever done. And so you're, it's one you're going to want to uh, listen to over and over and over again. Well, thank you again for joining in today. It means the world. I pray that today you go lead in the space and the place that God's put you in and make a difference for Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.